The Healthy Golf Podcast, Episode 21, with Christian Merritt. Welcome to the Healthy Golf Podcast, a podcast designed to help you transform your golf game and your life. Join your host, Dr. Joe O, as he chats with experts on all things golf performance to keep you feeling great and playing your best on and off the course. Welcome to another episode of the Healthy Golf Podcast, and today we have uh, a good friend of mine, Christian Merritt. Christian lives about 30 minutes south of me, where I, where we are in Maine, and uh, glad to have you on. Thanks for having me, Joe. Uh, Christian is a certified strength coach and uh, is a personal trainer and likes to work with uh, golfers, but he works with all kinds of people. Doesn't You don't necessarily have to be a golfer. He's an ex-hockey player himself, but we'll let him talk a little bit more about himself. So Christian, why don't you just go ahead and kind of tell us a little bit more about you and uh, how you got to where you are now. Yeah, so I'm originally a Southern California native, um, and then I decided to pick up hockey, which is not very conducive. Um, as I kind of got better and wanted to play in college, I knew I was going to play college hockey in um, Southern California. So I had interest in a school, um, University of New England here in Southern Maine. And when I came to visit, um, you know, they had an NCAA division three program, they had a beach and I was like, you know what, that's about as close to home as I'm going to get. Um, so that's kind of how I ended up in this main area and I fell in love with it. Um, I graduated a couple years ago and then I've just kind of stayed in the area, um, working and, and doing that sort of stuff. But I also being in California, I could play golf all year round. So I, you know, I grew up, you know, playing a couple of times a year and always kind of liked it. But then once I finished playing hockey, I was like, you know what? I should make the transition that every hockey player does and just go full-time golf and why not try to make it part of my business and all that sort of stuff. So that basically led me to being fully addicted like I am now and kind of here we are. (laughs) Nice. Christian is a pretty good player. I went out, we played, we played around once uh, together and he did, he did pretty well. (laughs) Thanks, Joe. You're being, uh, yeah. you're pumping my tires a little bit there. <laughs> well, you, I mean, you're better than I am, so that, that's not saying much, though. Uh, <laughs> but you are, uh, you're TPI certified, right? Yep. Yeah, I'm uh, level one certified. Um, so I'm hoping to get level two at some point. But the list of certifications that I feel are important are just keep growing and growing. So finding when when the next one is going to be can be a little bit of a challenge. Yeah. So. So, um, today we wanted to talk, I asked Christian what he wanted to talk about and, um, being in new England, although this could be applied to pretty much anywhere, um, to talk about how important a year round program is, um, for golfers. And we're going to primarily target to, uh, adults and older adults, I believe. Um, but again, this could be applied to anyone, even juniors. It's, it's always important, especially if you want to be competitive, um, but why don't you uh, kind of get the ball rolling in terms of, I know here in New England, there's definitely an off season for golfers, um, which I think is great because it forces golfers to take a break from swinging the sticks, do something else. Hopefully we do have some indoor like simulator places where you can kind of go and still swing and play a little bit, but it's probably, you know, obviously it's not the same as being out on the course and all those other things, but why don't you talk about a little bit more about, 
your interest in having a year round program and why it's important for, for people in general? Yeah. I mean, I think it's important here in, in Southern Maine, like you kind of said, we, we obviously get plenty of snow and that forces people inside. Um, and it's a great sort of tool to kind of say, Hey, well, why don't you take a break from swinging and let's work on all those things. So that way next year you can kind of come back and be a better version of yourself, right? We people in the golf industry, at least the fitness side of it, I feel like we talk about a lot of the most important club in your bag is yourself. Um, so having that time is great. Um, in Southern Maine, at least that part of Southern Maine that I'm in, um, I have a lot of more older clients. Um, so moms, dads, grandparents, sort of in that realm. So that's more of what I'm used to working with. And I think that every golfer needs to be trained like an athlete. And those principles should still be applied, but maybe it's a little bit of a different approach than you would, you know, your young junior high school, college sort of athlete. Um, and so you just need to take a little bit slightly different approach, but same principles sort of apply, right? You need to be able to move well, you need to be strong, you need to be powerful and all those sorts of stuff. And kind of without trying to get too sciencey, you kind of layer those things as you go. So you need to have that you know, year long macro cycle sort of approach to things. But also when you're dealing with adults, you know, maybe you have a deadline at work or, you know, something comes up that you can't quite do that strict program. Um, so I think it's a little bit more free flowing when you work with adults versus that, you know, I'm going to work on strength. Now I'm going to work on just power. It's a little bit more fluid. Right. I always thought that um, when I, was studying to become a strength and conditioning coach and like read the entire like NSCA book. And it was like talking about, um, periodization and like, man, all this stuff is crazy. Like macrocycle, microcycles, microcycles, and like planning all this. And the more that I've like worked with people, uh, especially adults who, like you were saying, you know, busy at work, probably have kids, you know, have other things that they're interested in doing and, uh, you know, have other things other than like spending time in the gym. And, you know, creating a full out, uh, like periodization plan isn't always the best thing because as soon as someone gets sick or like goes on vacation or something happens, I mean, your whole plan is essentially scrapped and you have to start yeah. not necessarily over, but you got to think, think about the ramifications of all that time you just spent planning <laughs> and yeah. now it's, it's to the, it's to the, uh, to the wayside almost. So, yeah. um, but I do think that um, going into an off season, especially here in New England, I would say, at least coming from my standpoint, and I would say you'd probably agree too, but like from a physical therapist point of view, you know, you've probably just spent the past six, seven months playing golf, probably feverishly. You may have uh, accumulated maybe some aches or pains, whether that's in your knee, your shoulder, your back, whatever it may be. I would say the first thing to do would be, you know, get those taken care of, um, whether that's with a physical therapist, chiropractor, whoever, um, but find someone that can help you take care of those aches and pains and then go into the next step because now you're going to have, you know, four to five to six months possibly of an off season that you can really take care of yourself before you go back and start the season all over again. I would say like after you're done with kind of, let's say either they got some aches and pains taken care of, they're all better or they didn't have any, where would you probably start with, uh, most of your people in terms of like training. And obviously that is always a, it depends kind of 
right. kind of answer. Um, but generally speaking, like what would be your kind of take to just start someone right into the off season um, and they don't have any pain or issues? Yeah. Well, I mean, I think it's important for um, professionals like ourselves to do some sort of screening or TPI screening, whatever sort of screen that you use at the end of the season. And then also at the beginning of a season, right? If we're talking in New England, so in that March, April time, that'd be a good time to do a screen because in theory, that's when they're going into their best shape. They've worked out all their kinks from the winter. And then at the end of the year, so around now, this October, November time, where you're going to get screened again. So we kind of see, okay, this is where you started. And then this is what happened when you play a lot. So we can see what their body likes to do when they're playing a lot more and maybe not you know, in the gym quite as much. And I think that will help tailor for the next year. So the screen shows me this, but I know that your body is going to do that during the season. So how am I going to combat that? Okay. You lose a lot of strength in your hips when you play because you, you know, you walk a lot and maybe your walking mechanics aren't great. Right? I'll just use that as an example. Okay. So maybe I'm going to overdo your hip work and your hip strength type stuff and spend a little bit more time there than I would if I you know, didn't take that into consideration. So for me, it's always been, I want to make sure that they're mobile. So I kind of throw that in the no longer aches and pains sort of um, bubble. And then once they get that, we start working on strength. So I'm big on unilateral strength. Um, and just like you would any other athlete doing your split squats and things like that, once you can, I think squatting is important. We do it all day, every day when we get up and out of chairs anyways. So people that I don't really agree that we shouldn't squat, right? You're going to do it. So let's practice it and make sure it's efficient. So I like to clean up all those big movements first, not necessarily with a lot of weight. Um, it can be body weight, you know, stuff, but you know, we got to hammer down those good fundamental strength stuff. And then seeing how you progress, maybe how quickly I start to make things more complex or things like that. And kind of, I judge the off season that way. So at least for my, older clients, I only push them as much as their body is going to allow based on how well they can recover, how well they, you know, consume their, you know, nutrients and their diet and all those sorts of things. If it's not great, then maybe you're not going to make as much progress in the summer. We can talk about how to, if you're not happy with where you ended up, some other things that you can fix. But if I'm like, nope, we're three months in, you should be able to do X, Y, and Z. Well, if your body's not there, your body's not there. Because like we talked about, they might have other things that go on. You know, they might be taking care of, you know, their 13, 14 year old kid. And that priority comes first because they need to go to soccer practice. So they don't eat or they don't get their training. in. well, that's fine. Let's just critique how we go um, with it. But for me, it's always strength first. And then once I feel that good, I do some low impact power movements. Um, sort of put that first of the year as like kind of a halfway point for my New England people. Um, of I want to start incorporating power somewhere in that time period. Um, so that way when they start swinging outside and people start to pick up, golf fever comes around in February, where they're going to those indoor places that they body can kind of handle more of those powerful, you know, rotational movements. Um, so that's my sort of rough yeah. timeline of things but like you kind of say it, it depends on the person yeah yeah right so 
it's a hard, hard thing to say exactly what you would do <laughs> in the situation. Um, I think some things that you said that were great. One, the evaluation is, is key. Um, and getting the evaluation before you start with someone, especially if it's at the end of the season and then definitely before you at least get going again, uh, before the season starts again in the spring, that'll be great to kind of see what kind of progress you did make um, and kind of where you're still, still might be lacking. So that would be good for things to continue to work on throughout the season. Um, and then, I mean, yeah, getting strong is always good. And then I would say definitely getting powerful or that's when you want to start to work on that. Like right before the season starts for the most part, kind of what you had said. Um, yeah. And when I, when I, when I say low impact type stuff, I mean, I feel like a lot of people that maybe aren't in the industry are thinking, well, I jumping hurts my knees. Like I hear that a ton. I'm like, well, you want to be powerful. You don't have to jump in order to work on power. So a lot of with what I talk to my clients about is intention of doing stuff, right? So it's a lot of tempo work. Okay. We're going to do a three to five cent, five second eccentric movement. So on the downward part of your squat, for example, Right. But then when you come up, I want you to be, I want there to be a noticeable difference in the speed you go down versus the speed that you go up. Well, that's still power, but now you're not getting that impact on the knees because, you know, football injury or something like that. Like, I feel like I see those a lot, you know, that might limit those things. Right. Yeah, exactly. It doesn't have to be jumping per se. I mean, a lot of stuff that you can do to generate power too, even though it's also an upper body thing would be like any kind of medicine ball throw. Um, especially like a rotational one, even if it's not super fast, I mean, you want it to be as fast as possible, but hopefully, you know, you're generating most of that power from your legs that's being transferred up to your arms for the most part. Right. So just like the golf swing would be, and then just like what you had said, going down slow eccentric in the squat and then coming up quick, you can always write other examples would be like doing a squat from a seated position and coming up as fast as possible or doing like an explosive step up, any of those kinds of things. Like it doesn't have to be the things that you're seeing the young kids do, the guys on tour do. There's still ways to improve your power as an older adult without, you know, irritating your joint. And I would say that's also a really good thing in to look for in a trainer or whoever you're working with, because if they can't come up with a a good alternative or don't want to like listen to what, you're saying at least what your body's saying and what you feel would be necessary. I would say maybe try to look for a different person to work with because they're not listening to your needs and exactly what you need to, to accomplish to make sure that, you know, you feel comfortable with training and your progress. Yeah. Well, and I think for older people too, right. So um, like I'm saying, the clients that I work with is, you know, you want to um, almost teach them how to listen to their body a little bit better. And I think that's where part of the, art of training comes in, right? So they've forgotten about themselves because, you know, they're working on their business aspects, their spouse, their family. So they kind of put their personal, how do I feel? It kind of gets suppressed down a little bit. And so helping them bring that to light and like realize, oh yeah, I do have, you know, my back feels a little tweaked when I wake up this morning. Okay. What does that mean? And teaching them that, one, it's okay if it's a little tweaked, we can always make adjustments, but recognizing that and being able to say or t- let the trainer know that something feels a little off today, that's all body awareness stuff, which you know I think is also important and kind of forgotten about a lot um, 
especially if you would just work with you know younger athletes because they're generally not going to wake up with quite the same aches and pains that you know an, an older client might right and i would say too like if anyone's listening to this and um you do have like an ache or a pain and you're working with a trainer or anything like that like definitely listen to your body and like christian said make sure that you tell your trainer that day that you have you know a little tweak in your back or something that's going on don't feel like we're gonna belittle you or anything like that like that shouldn't happen uh with the good with the, with the right trainer and they should be able to make adjustments uh, appropriately that day for what's going on with you. Like I couldn't tell you how many times, I mean, I would see a patient in physical therapy who's doing really well and like, I don't know what happened, but you know, today my knees really bothering me and they might be coming for, I don't know, like they're back. And like, I may be having them do like exercises in a quadruped position where they're on their knee and be like, all right, well, we're not doing that today. Cause that's going to bother your knee. Like, we're just going to figure something else out that will accomplish the same thing. It's not, not rocket science to, to figure that out, but don't be yeah, afraid there, to tell us that something's bothering you. Yeah. There's always another way to do something, right? It's not people in general are not cookie cutter. We're all a little bit different and you know, your training can be a little bit, you know, different either. I mean, I think one of my, one of my biggest pet peeves is, Oh, I saw this on Instagram. Can we do this exercise? Well, no, because that, like you're 65 and the person you're watching is, you know, 20 years old and is about as on the corn fairy tour. And so maybe we're a little bit different, right? So like, you know, taking things in perspective, I think is important as well. And it kind of gets lost. And that's a whole other topic down that social media chain of why don't I do that exercise? <laughs> well, yeah, that is a whole, a whole other topic. One, people are posting quote unquote, sexy exercises because they're sexy <laughs> and they'll get engagement on social media. Uh, no one likes to see a basic bridge or squat. Like everyone knows what that is and it's not sexy, right? But that's where you're going to get results from those sort of things. Not, uh, well, this is also another topic, but like standing on a BOSU ball and twisting with a band or whatever, who knows? Yeah. But like yeah, that, that gets views because it's like, oh, wow, he's doing that. That looks hard, right? But yeah. Do you need to do that? Probably not. <laughs> well, I think that kind of brings it back to, you know, what, what I said earlier is simple exercises are the best, right? Can you squat? Can you hip hinge? Can you lunge? Can you pull in, mort in multiple um, fashions? Can you push your upper body? Can you twist? Can you not twist? That's a big one, I think. Um, you know, I heard uh, Mike Boyle talk about it and i don't know how many golfers he works with but i still think it applies it's almost like filling buckets right so every workout should have you fill all the buckets of all the things i just talked about and then you know you kind of go from there where you emphasize might be the different parts of their off-season program or where they're at in their training but you're kind of hitting all of those parts because life happens and okay i wanted to get in three workouts this week but you know, my kid was sick, so I only got one in. Well, you shouldn't have just did chest and triceps on, on Monday, and that's all you got in. Well, you missed a whole part of your body, and then you're going to go back and do your chest and triceps on Monday again. No, like, let's make it full body. Let's make it adjustable if things go wrong. It's kind of like golf, right? They say in golf, you want to um, eliminate how bad your misses are, and that's what separates the really good players. I kind of think it's the same thing with training, right? Like you want to kind of get the general parts all in, 
um, so that you're not missing anything too yeah. crazy. To go off of your basics, you know, simple exercises are what's key, right? I mean, the the people that you see doing one, the sexy exercises are really good at the basics. That's why they, they're allowed to do those sexy exercises. Until you can get really good at the basics, you're not going to do those things. And then two, to go along the lines of what you just said, like I can remember when I was kind of, I had this epiphany, like I read something of like when I was growing up and like training in the gym and I would do like your typical bodybuilder split of like chest and triceps and back and biceps and legs just all in one day. And you would just do that body group you know, one time a week. And when you think about it, you're only going to do that. You're only going to train that body part 52 times in one year if you're consistent with your training. Whereas if you do a full body workout three times a week, I don't even know what that is on the math, but that's significantly more than 52 times a year for those body parts. Right. And lo and behold, like obviously everything all works together and it just makes more sense that you should be probably trying to get in a full body workout a couple times a week versus just doing like arms or whatever, whatever your goal is doing. Yeah. And I think that's, this part of it is trying to teach clients, especially older ones, right? There's a lot of old school sort of thought processes when you're working with some, some older adults. Um, well, I remember back in high school in football, we did this, like I get that as an example a lot and um, it's like, well, okay, but like, let's try a different avenue to get there because your body works as one. I mean, there's plenty of research out that like, even though you want to just do your chest and you want to make your chest look big, right? Cause it's a mirror muscle, your back and your shoulders and your abs, like they're all kind of working at as well. Like you're not just, you can't just isolate one muscle. Right. So I think trying to change people's perspective and you know, I think after a while you get the buy-in of, Hey, I woke up today and I didn't have back pain. It's the first time in three years. Well, that's great. Like, I think that's a huge success and um, kind of getting people to buy in because sometimes, you know, they, like we kind of talked about that, you know, older clients put other people in their lives first just because that they have to. And so they question how valuable is me spending money on training? Well, it's very valuable because, you know, your kids are going to look up to you, um, you know, other parents might look up to you and what you're able to do. And, you know, you're going to be able to do more things with your family for a longer period of time as well. So I think that's all important. Yeah. And I think, you know, you say that it's also very important because your health is not like uh, something that you're paying for. It's an investment. Um, it's your body. It's your one vehicle that you get through this entire life. And if you don't take good care of it, uh, then it'll, definitely show later down the line. I mean, think about your car, right? I mean, you, hopefully if you take care of your car, you service it regularly, you change the oil, you know, change the brakes, change the tires, all of those things. You should do the same exact thing for your body. I mean, if you're, your body is basically a, a Porsche, a super luxury car, basically. And if you had a Porsche, I'm pretty sure you wouldn't put the cheap gas into it. You'd probably put the super high cost gas into it <laughs> it should be the yep. same thing in terms of how you treat your body i mean that's not to say that you can't indulge in different things and do you know whatever makes you enjoy life a little bit but you should be taking care of yourself and that's why your health is an investment and i think 
someone, I think it's Ben Franklin. He had some quote. I have no idea the exact term of it, but like, if you don't pay for your health now, you're going to pay for it later, basically. And so, um, you know, it's better to pay for it now and it'll be significantly cheaper than the hospital bills you're going to incur later for being unhealthy. That, that, I like that. That's a good uh, quote. I hadn't heard that one. Yeah. I don't know the exact word. I'm <laughs> sure he said it. Uh, something, it's basically along those lines. But yeah. um, let's go into, so how I like to think about an off-season program too for most people is during the season, you're playing golf. You don't have as much time to work out per se. Hopefully you're still able to get in a workout or two a week, hopefully. Um, but obviously you're going to be out on the course more and doing lots of other things. Vacations happen during the summertime, all those things, especially if you have kids, they're out of school, you're doing things with them, taking them places. Um, the off season is the time to like fill your bucket basically is how I look at it because during the season, basically you have a bucket with a hole and it's just going to slowly leak out. And the more that you can fill that bucket, the better off your season is going to be. And um, if you only filled your bucket halfway during the off season, you're going to have less of a bucket to be working with throughout the entire season. So what are um, some things that people can do like during the season or how would you kind of structure things for people that are, you know, busy during the season in terms of training? Um, I like to prioritize warmups a little bit more, right? So I think, um, when you have less time, warming up is a big thing that you can do, right? So for my clients, I always try to give them, um, the exercises they're going to do with me, but then they also have a daily checklist that they're going to go through. It's nothing long. It's maybe five exercises, um, but they can do it at home. I always try to make sure that I make it so that they can use it, you know, using a golf club or on the course or things like that without getting too, too crazy um, and kind of build those habits. in. so those warm up exercises are going to either highlight issues that they have in their mobility that they kind of consistently have in their mobility for whatever reason that might be. Um, or it's going to help them kind of keep some of those patterns that they were learning in the off season kind of carry them through, right? Something you can do five, 10 minutes, hit your couple putts, you know, now you're up to the T as much as we would love for all of our, um, golfing clients to, you know, get to the course 30 or 40 minutes ahead of time, do a nice dynamic warm up, hit some balls, you know, all that, that's just not reality, right? You're getting up early Saturday morning to be one of the first people out. You just had a long work week. That's just not going to happen. But you generally have five, maybe 10 minutes where you're around the putting green with your buddies, catching up on the week, talking about who's going to win, you know, your match today, or you're on the tee box and you can go through some of those movement exercises. And that's going to be more beneficial than probably anything else you're going to do warming up because you're playing the course you play every week. So how much of the greens really changing and hitting those, <laughs> hitting those couple putts. So I think in season, I really try to prioritize and have a set discipline system for my clients to do their warm up, and it's what they do before they work out, before they play, and if it's an off day, it's you know that's your minimum requirement to get through. I know you have a busy day, but you can do five to ten minutes of mobility type work or whatever it might be. Um, yeah, so that's kind of what I prioritize. Yeah, I think that would be great to have people you know stick to something every day that you could work on in terms of mobility or 
whatever kind of movement pattern you're, you know, you're trying to groove with them just so that can be maintained. And yeah, I mean, five to 10 minutes is not asking very much. And I always tell people too, like, if you have to like split it up throughout the day, like say it's a work day and you can't do all five exercises in a row, like just split it up, like do some later. Like it's not going to kill you, but just as long as you get it all in at some point. Yeah. Yeah. I think, I think that's definitely, definitely key. And I mean, for, for my people, I usually have them do the same warm up for maybe six ish weeks at a time. Um, depending on how effective it is, if it's still working for them, great. If new issues arrive, I kind of find that time is like, maybe we're going to change some things and, you know, you're swinging this way now. So you're feeling it in this part of your body. Okay. So let's throw out this exercise. Let's put a new one in. Um, but I like them to do it a lot because it's just like, you know, they say successful people get up and make their bed first thing every morning, right? Like so it's kind of along those lines but for your body and your health and so you need to consistently do it it takes less time the more you do it right so it might feel like it takes you 10 to 15 minutes the first time you're going through okay how do i do that movement again whatever it is but then as you go five minutes and you're done right so i think i I just i just think warm-ups are overlooked a lot yeah i think too a lot of times people misunder misjudge how long these things take to like actually take effect And I always tell people who are like trying to improve their mobility, like you have to do this every day consistently for at least maybe two to three weeks to even see some improvement potentially. And then once you stick with it, like after three weeks, you know, come week eight, week nine, week 10, then you're going to start to see some really big improvements. And I know that's like super hard to be like, all right, well, I got to wait 10 weeks for, for this to get better. But it's just those small changes that you put in every single day that will make the difference in the long run. Yeah. And I think, you know, kind of adding on to that in the gym, what I'm going to prioritize is strength work, right? So I'm not going to do a lot of power stuff because you're going to, hopefully your swing is very powerful on the course, right? You're going to be swinging with pretty much all your might, especially if you're Bryson, you're swinging at 110%. Um, but, you know, I want you to, if you can only get in once, maybe twice a week, I want you to hit your major lift. So your squat, your hip hinge, an upper push, at least one upper pull, hopefully two, depending on your time. But you're going to do something heavy. And what I count as heavy is somewhere in six to eight repetitions. I don't usually go much lower than that for my clients just because we don't need to be doing one RMs just with their lifestyle and things like that. But, you know, to them that it's going to be about as heavy as they're going to lift just so that their body gets used to what that is and keeping that bone density and the joint strong and all of those sorts of things. I just think it's big bang for your buck. Yeah. I usually like to do, even for myself, I like to try to get in during the season, like two workouts a week, hopefully. And I tend to lean towards more of like, if you know your schedule, like when you're going to golf, like if you regularly golf Saturday mornings and let's say you work out Thursday or Friday, and then you also work out Monday, like I always end up saying like, well, Monday is going to be a heavier day for you. That's where you're going to lift heavier weights and do different things. Maybe even do a couple power exercises on my end. And then like Thursday or Friday is going to be a super light day, like probably not do a lot of 
like just overall decrease volume in terms of like sets and reps and stuff. So you're not, hopefully you're not going to be sore because you've been training for a while. So your body's built up to that. But when you go out and play golf, like you're not going to be sore and you're not going to have like ill effects from your workout. Well, you shouldn't regardless, but that's how I kind of like look at it for in-season training for most people, even for myself. Yeah. And that's a great point. I mean, I think, you know, the biggest thing is touch in golf, right? So one of the biggest issues or blowback I see on lifting heavy is oh, I lose my touch, right? I, you know, you get that quiver when you really push yourself hard one day. So do it at the beginning of the week when you know you're going to give yourself four to five days at least to fully recover and get back into it so that, you know, when you go to tee it up Saturday morning, you don't feel like you can't grip the club because you were, you know, doing carries the day before or, you know, something like that, that might be a little bit more grip related. So I also stay away from grip stuff at, towards the end of the week for that reason. Yeah. Makes sense. I think, um, just when we're talking about recovery, since we touched on a little bit, can't go understated. And you kind of alluded to this a little bit earlier was, you know, other things that are also going to help is making sure that you're eating well, staying hydrated and getting enough sleep that can't be said more than enough. In fact, if you couldn't go to the gym at all, for whatever reason, if you can at least dial those three things in, or at least just hydration and sleep, your, your life and your game will be so much better. Yeah. Yeah. And I think also a, a quick side, side note to that is, you know, I thought that was great. You mentioned that Mondays is kind of like your heavy day. Because to me, then if you play golf on Saturday or Sunday, right? So you're, I'm going to go out and I'm going to work really hard on Monday. Like I'm going to dominate this week. And it's speaking more to like someone's lifestyle and I'm going to dominate this week. And then when the weekend comes, okay, I'm rewarding myself. I need to go out and play golf and just fully enjoy myself for the weekend. And then I know Monday comes around and, you know, I'm like Scott Selling says, rents always do, right? So rents do on Monday and, you know, it kind of, you get rewarded at the end of the week. So I think that's great. Yeah. Yeah. That's how, I don't know. That's how I just like to look at things too. start the week off strong and um, go from there for the most part. And then too, like, if you know, like maybe you participate in, um, geez, like a league, like midweek again, like same thing, like what Christian said, like, don't do a heavy day before the day before you're going to go play a round of golf especially like grip things or something along those lines. It's okay to lift heavy, but again, you may want to decrease your volume. It just may be an overall lighter day compared to what would be quote unquote a heavier day in terms of intensity and volume. Again, so you're not kind of too sore or, you know, not able to play the game that you want to play basically. Yeah. Well, I think, I think for a lot of clubs, you know, that Wednesday is kind of like the normal league day. So I think that's a great point of, you know, maybe Monday, Thursday are your workout days. And so, you know, you golf Wednesday and then maybe, you know, you play just with some buddies on, on the weekend, one of the days. Um, so that's a great way to kind of structure your week in season. Um, so that way Tuesday can be a day off or it can just be a light, you know, I'm going to go ride the bike for 30 minutes. That's still a great workout, you know, and, that, and that's going to help you towards, you know, your goals and flush out any soreness, lactic acid, things that you're going to have anyways. Um, and then same thing, Friday, you know, the end of the week, you know, come home from work, maybe you don't want to go to the gym. So you kind of can take that rest day. And that's okay because you got your two workouts in 
during this shortened season that we kind of get in New England. Right. And um, I think just going along those lines is just also kind of, again, what you listened, said earlier is, you know, listen to your body, especially in season. You're spending a lot more time probably at the practice range, playing golf, doing lots of other things. If one day your back is sore when you wake up or your knee sore or something along those lines, like try to work it out with some sort of mobility work. Hopefully you may have some, you know, tools under your, under your belt to, to do that. If not, you know, you might just have to modify things in terms of your workout or whatever you're doing for that day or week, whatever it may be, you know, just make sure that you take care of yourself. Yeah. You always want to be able to work out the next day. That's the goal, right? You want to make the workout so hard. You can't work out the next day. And that's, that's what I tell my clients. And I think that sits well with them. They understand what that means and what that feels like. And that helps me kind of manage intensities, which is a big part of working with, you know, an older population versus, you know, maybe your high school athletes, your high school athletes, you really trying to not bury it into the ground, but you know, you're pushing them a little bit harder because their recovery is going to be quicker with less sleep, or they just have less stress in their life, you know, because they're not trying to provide for a family or whatever it might be. So, you know, you just got to monitor those intensities a little bit and, you know, when you feel good, go a little harder. When you don't feel good, taper back a little bit. But if you work with those basic exercises, that's easy to do because you're just monitoring either how much weight you're lifting or what reps you're doing or something along those lines. That's easy, interchangeable stuff with that that you can kind of do on the fly right. um, as well. And I think, you know, last less part here, I would say that we're probably both biased, but I think that's where working with, uh, you know, a trained professional comes in really handy because if you're just going to go ahead and work out and try these things and you don't know how much volume or intensity you should be doing things, or, you know, like if you're doing something right, or maybe you're really sore, you just can't figure these things out. Like that's where myself and Christian and other people that I've talked to on this podcast, any other trained professional really comes in handy and you don't have to work with us. You know, I mean, we would love for you to, to work with us multiple times a week, of course, but like, you don't have to do that. In fact, like at least my goal is to like teach you how to do this on your own for the most part. So then you can just go ahead and do it. And then you don't need me. You only yeah. come to me when you maybe need some progressions and you're not sure, or maybe something's bothering you or, you know, you just, don't know how to progress yourself. Um, that's kind of how I look at it. You know, I don't think you need to have a personal trainer for the rest of your life for every single week that if you want to do that, there's nothing wrong with it, but you know, that's not ne totally necessary. And that's not kind of how I go about things. Yeah. Well, I think it's this upper level of, of training that the industry is starting to get to where it's not just focusing on what you're doing with your client in the gym. Um, but also how do you help them manage their life, right? You're just kind of like, like a bird's eye view of everything that they're doing in their life and helping them monitor, okay, nope, that didn't work. This is why, right? Because we always think, no, that's not the reason that that can't be it. Like I'm, I'm better than that or whatever it might be, but outsider looking in is going to have a better idea of where you should be spending your time and kind of looking at things, you know, objectively. Um, so I think that's why a trainer and having someone year round where maybe in the off season or winter time, um, or the farthest time away from 
you know, your next member, a guest or whatever it might be, that's when you go a little bit harder and you spend more time with your um, trainer. And then during the season, I don't think you should just completely, you know, ghost them and be completely silent from them. Check in with them every once in a while and kind of be like, all right, this is kind of how things are going. What are your thoughts? And you can kind of make sure that you're both in the same path. And that just keeps the continuum going a little bit smoother as well. Yeah, couldn't agree more. And I would say, you know, that just goes along the lines of, I think we both kind of look at ourselves, kind of what you said, as coaches. And that's what we do. We we coach people. We don't just train them. We, you know, look at everything and then go from there and help kind of, I don't want to say like, evaluate their life, but we're taking lots of things into consideration on how they're doing and, you know, why it may be affecting them or their training or their game. Yeah. And don't be afraid of it either, because I, the more and more that I meet coaches in this industry, coaches have coaches too. Like we might know all the information. And I tell my clients this all the time is I go outsourced for some of the stuff that I do as well. So don't be afraid to ask questions because yes, I know the science and, you know, probably if I was looking at myself objectively, I would know what to do, but I get in my own head too. And I'm like, well, I could really do this exercise instead. No, like have someone else look at you. Um, so I think it will think that, you know, we're just trying to gain business. Yes. Business is great, but that's also part of us you know, walking the walk. We talk to other people in the industry and have them. What do you think? Like I'm having this issue. What am I missing? Because it's not the same when you try to evaluate yourself. You're not going to gather all of the information and really look at the whole big picture, which is kind of where the health industry in general is going these days. Is kind of looking things more holistically and you know from top to bottom. Yep. Um, before we uh, wrap up here, just have a few fun questions. I know. I think you know what these are um, from listening. But um, <laughs> yes, what's uh. What's your your best course that you've played, Christian? Um, well, unfortunately, I have not played what I would consider a lot of top courses. Like I haven't That's been. Okay. I have a huge bucket list, right? So, yeah. Tiger's Course out at Big Cedar. Oh, uh, that, all that, that was sort of incredible. <laughs> that was that was that was fun to watch. I like the 19th hole is crazy. It looks like yeah, it's at a draft right? park. Yeah. Um, but. I would say Wood Ranch out in California. Um, I've played it a few times. Um, they've had some qualifying events there. Um, it's it's a nice course. Nice. Second question. It is a long par five. It's your approach shot. Are you going for it or laying up? I am going for it because I'm of the belief when I play that I'm not going to be on tour. I know that that will never happen in my lifetime, but I want to be able to tell my buddies, hey, I hit this long approach shot into a par five and I gave myself an eagle look. Um, and also, I just want to kind of see what I can get away with. I mean, um, I'm a weekend golfer. I really want to, I like playing in member guest tournaments and things like that. I want to know kind of what my limit is and it changes. It fluctuates a lot throughout the year, let me tell you. But I want to know what my base level is. So, you know, I don't care about my handicap too, too much. So I'm always going to probably go for it. Nice. And, uh, you're going to go out for a round who is in your dream foursome. Uh, well, I think just like everybody on your podcast so far said, tiger, I'm going to jump on that train as well, just because, you know, can't go wrong. See the best play. I've, I've gotten to watch him hit balls once live and that was unbelievable. And he didn't even know I was there, but I thought it was awesome. 
So him, um, Michael Jordan, just because he's so competitive and, and all that. And I loved watching The Last Dance when they had that on ESPN. And then just to kind of round out, I mean, the hockey background, to have three of probably the greatest in their sport, Wayne Gretzky. So I think that would be able to check a lot of boxes. <laughs> That'd be pretty awesome. Yeah, I think uh, so. <laughs> last, uh, last words. Uh, do you have any like big tips or like one last word that you'd like to leave anybody about anything in terms of golf fitness or just like year round training, anything, anything that we talked about, or it doesn't have to be anything we talked about. <laughs> um, no, I think, I think it's just remembering that at the end of the day, we're all athletes in some form. We're playing a sport. We're playing the great sport of golf. So treat yourself like an athlete, um, no matter your age or your skill level or any of that sort of stuff. Um, and don't be so hard on yourself if one day isn't as good as the previous day, because there's a lot of other stressors in life and, and more important things that go on in the world. Um, so keep that in mind. And, you know, I think having someone there that you can chat with every once in a while and kind of keep you on the right path at the bare minimum, something like that is great, right? If you can work with someone one-on-one even better, but even if it's just like a once a month check-in, someone that you trust say, Hey, what do you think? How are things going? This is what I'm feeling. Should I keep going down this path? Should I, you know, change it up a little bit? You know, I think that will benefit a lot of people and it's not a huge commitment to do. Yeah. Couldn't agree more. Christian, if anyone wants to gain contact with you, work with you, chat with you, what are the best places that they can do that? Um, probably through Instagram. That's what I'm most active on. Um, so at merit method, um, on Instagram, send me a DM. Um, I'll get back to you as soon as I can. Um, I'm also on Twitter, but I don't use it as much. I just kind of like to read what everyone's thoughts are. So I don't post on there as much, but that's also at merit method. Um, and that would be the best. Cool. I will get those linked up in the show notes and, uh, guys give Christian a follow, ask him some questions if you have any. And, um, Christian, thanks for coming on. Thank you. Thank you for listening to another episode of the Healthy Golf Podcast. I apologize for some of the audio issues in terms of uh, Christian and I's connectivity while we were talking, but I don't think that there was much that was missed in terms of some of that bad connectivity. Um, Hopefully everyone enjoyed this episode. I think Christian brought up a lot of great points in terms of the importance of having a year-round program for adults, including juniors as well. It's important to have a year-round program to make sure that you will play your best and be your best on and off the course. So hopefully you're able to take a few tidbits out of today's podcast and you can put that forth towards your own program. If you have any questions about developing your own plan or developing a plan, or maybe you need to make some adjustments to your plan, please do not hesitate to reach out to myself or Christian. Um, As I put Christian's uh, Instagram and Twitter links in the show notes, you can go out and reach out to him. Also, don't forget that there is a healthy golf community on Facebook. Please feel free to join that where you can ask me as well as lots of other uh, healthcare practitioners, even PGA professionals. 
uh, questions about what you can do to improve your golf game. Again, this community is completely free. The link to join is in the show notes. And one last thing is I put together something great for you guys. Um, it is nine free workouts that will help improve your golf performance. And they're not anything specifically hard. However, you can make them as hard as you'd like them to be. But there's workouts in there that would benefit beginners to advanced uh, trained people. And there's also workouts in there that require no equipment whatsoever. Um, and if you're short on time as well, you can do those workouts. Um, but there's also workouts that if you have equipment, such as kettlebells, dumbbells, resistance, resistance bands, all of that is in there for you. Uh, if you want to grab that, just click the link in the show notes for that as well. You just fill out a little form and it will be sent to you in PDF form to your email. So hopefully you guys enjoy this episode. Uh, until next time, keep working hard, keep striving for excellence in everything that you do, because when you feel great, you golf great.